or rather, I'm here in my spare room for episode 139 of Blockchain Insider. My name is, of course, Simon Taylor, and this week on Blockchain Insider, it's going to be a little bit different. Today, we have an interview with Yuval Roos, who's CEO at Digital Asset. We talked about Digital Asset's new direction and where he sees the industry heading in the future. This is a good one, so do stay tuned. This is also going to be our last episode for just a little while. Given we're focused on staying safe and delivering some amazing work for our clients right now, we've decided to hit the pause button for now. Something had to give. Look, the current crisis has really shown that the whole of financial services needs to move. Finance needs to be better, not incrementally better, not digitizing a paper process, not taking the contracts we had and making them a bit more digital. As the world faces the collapse of economies and massive unemployment, we need more creativity. Amazing things are born out of a crisis, but there are real headwinds facing us all, across finance, privacy, and even printing money. These things impact all of us, and we're living through unprecedented times. How will people build up a savings safety buffer? How do we retain privacy whilst tracing people that have a virus? Should we print money as the answer to everything? Everything you can see around you is touched by finance. The device you're listening to this podcast on, your clothes, your house, everything. And finance? Finance isn't finished. We need now more than ever experimentation and a willingness to adapt and change. Whether you're a big bank or a small decentralized finance project, it's not enough for incremental change anymore. Or the idea without user adoption and execution. The economy needs execution. As Mark Andreessen said, it's time to build. And that's why we'll be back to bringing you the news in no time that you've come to expect. This is a good opportunity for us to reflect on Blockchain Insider. What works, what doesn't, think about the format and where we want to take the show next. As the folks over at Coindesk are running their virtual conference, be sure to check out everything they're doing, as well as the great work that Epicenter does and many, many more. And don't forget, 11FS has got a growing family of shows all of its own as well. There's Fintech Insider, InsureTech Insider, and the Fintech Marketing Podcast. Oh, and of course, The Breakfast Show our new LinkedIn show that goes live in the UK and US every weekday morning at 8.30 local time. And it's really fun. Try it with breakfast one day. Of course, this show wouldn't exist without you, our listeners. So many of you get in touch with something you've enjoyed, stories we should cover, or just make fun of producer Petrit. If you're here to build, do something new in financial services, or if there's any way we can help you, do reach out. Heck, just to say hello at hello at 11fs.com or email me simon at 11fs.com. For now, this isn't goodbye. It's more of a see you in a little bit. Enjoy the interview and stick around to the end to hear some blockchain fun that didn't quite make the final cut. All right, over to you, Val. Welcome to Blockchain Insider. I'm Simon Taylor, and it is my pleasure to be joined the one and only Yuval Roos, who's CEO at Digital Asset. Uh, Yuval, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. It's sunny in the UK again after a brief stint of raining. It likes to know that we're we're inside and we're in lockdown. So, you know, the UK weather has a sense of humor. But you've got a lot of books behind you. Um, clearly a well-read chap. Uh, unfortunately, I can't take credit for the books. I'm at my father-in-law uh, study, and these are all architecture books. Ah, uh, okay. So. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe more digital architecture is more your thing. Listen, remind everybody uh, just before we get into this uh, who Digital Asset are and, and, and what you do. Yeah, thank you, Simon. So, uh, Digital Asset is a company that is focused on how to bring innovation in distributed applications. 
so a lot of people think about distributed applications more in the context of blockchain, but we actually think about it more broadly. It's how do we how do we bring um, deterministic outcome and very well-known transparency into anything that has to do with distributed workflows, not just digital assets. So can you give me an example of a distributed workflow that might just make sense to somebody? That, like, let's let's take that blockchain one and just put it in a corner because people that seems to trigger people. Like distributed workflows, distributed applications. Well, why is that helpful? Why wouldn't I just centralize everything? Absolutely. And, and, and I think it's, it's, it's you're, you, you just said something at the end that is interesting. It's centralized what? Uh, and I think that that's a critical, critical uh, point to, to discuss. Is it centralizing how I manage identities or is it centralized how I store data? And, 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 and you start thinking about the whole space of distributed systems. There's just so many different layers of what can be distributed and what can be centralized. So when I say it's not just blockchain, to me, blockchain is distributed storage, right? It's where is the data gets distributed. Uh, but also when you think about identity in distributed systems, it's can I actually even have a system that is centralized from a data perspective, but have a distributed authentication of identities, meaning I don't, I don't, you don't send me a message via fix or some kind of a protocol, and then I manage all of the identities centrally, but I actually allow identities to authenticate themselves, and they are the only ones who can change this centralized uh, record of truth. Uh, so I think that there's different places where distribution can come to play. And, and that sounds a lot like the old permissioning and hierarchies, and you know, uh, platform engineers would tell me I can do a lot of this stuff already, and I, I'm constantly interested in just kind of getting to that point of like, but why not centralized? Because I think people will constantly make that case. And I think you guys have been on the forefront of saying something quite nuanced with what you've got with DAML um, and, and how you position that. So again, it, it's interesting that you can distribute different things. Um, there's there's value from a privacy standpoint, maybe a resiliency standpoint, what, but why would I choose that versus centralizing? Perfect. Uh, so I think that in order to have even a distributed authentication of users in a centralized manner requires an engineer to build a fairly sophisticated middleware to actually manage all of these distributed identities. So when I say that there's different uh, stacks, different places in the stack where, dis where distribution comes into play, with DAML, you get it out of the box. So if I wanted to run an application on a centralized database, but to have this distributed authentication of users, you get it out of the box with DAML. If you then wanted to take the same application and run it on a distributed ledger, you don't have to change anything in your code. So I think that what's unique about DAML is that it just takes uh, this view that when you write a distributed application, you don't really care what kind of infrastructure you're going to deploy it on. It behaves the same from a functional perspective. It doesn't matter what is your architecture, but it gives you different features out of the box, depending on which uh, distribution you chose. So if you want to uh, build uh, uh, an application that runs on a centralized database, but has distributed uh, identity on it, you could write demo application. You could take the same application, not change even one line of code and deploy it on a distributed ledger. And suddenly not only you get distributed identity, but you also get distribution of the data into different nodes. And that to me is really the power of DAML is that it really created this abstraction between how do I build a distributed application and then how I deploy it on a different 
part of technology gives me an end product that have potentially different what I would call non-functional behavior or features associated with it. And 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 I'll, I want to give I want to give a quick example uh, because I don't think that people understand how everything in today's world is actually a distributed application. So let's take Trillo. Trillo, everybody knows Trillo, and and it's the ticket management. It's a Kanban board, right? Nobody thinks about Trillo. Oh, uh, this is a distributed application. But if you really think about what is a Kanban board, it's managing a workflow within a team, right? You need to prioritize things. There's the owner of a ticket. There's who can change the ticket. You can move the ticket from one place to another, and that all works within a team. And you can go into Trillo, and you can manage the permission of who's allowed to do what under what scenario. That, to me, is a distributed application. Nobody thinks about it this way, but it is a distributed application. Now, you could say that really what matters at Trillo is the permission side. That, to me, is the distributed identity. Who's allowed to do what under what scenario? Now, you don't necessarily need to have a Trillo data be stored in a distributed ledger because that's not the value that you're seeking out of an application like that. So, for example, we build an open source version of Trillo that keep it deployed on a centralized ledger. Now, you could ask, why have we done that? Because what we were trying to show is how building applications with a distributed, uh, uh, with a distribution in nature is actually extremely powerful. And you brought up before we started this recording, uh, what the uh, NHS is doing with uh, centralized data. This whole privacy of data and not giving your data to someone else is, is key is a key theme that is happening right now. So uh, we just shared the link on, on the project where you could actually use uh, uh, the open source version of Trillo, and you could now actually go deploy that on a centralized database. And now you have, for example, a Kanban board where your data is yours. You don't have to give it to a vendor to see all of your organization data. So we think that this, this mindset of every application that today runs either within a team or across teams or across companies are all distributed applications. And then where you deploy them or how you deploy them is really depending on what you require to do. Uh, something interesting about the controversy, we're, we're having this conversation partly on a Zoom and, and partly through another recording. And I think about uh, how a lot of corporates have reacted to some of the uh, sort of quote unquote privacy concerns around Zoom and does it send data through China? Like this is a legitimate issue for large corporations, not just for the consumer. And for them to have all of the tools uh, to be able to collaborate at the cutting edge, but to do so in a way where they had confidence over where their data was going could be potentially really, really powerful. So there are use cases away from the, the consumer. All right, so I think that gives us a, a pretty decent overview of the, the high-level stuff. I want to get into a little bit more about you know, your journey at Digital Asset. I mean, you know, the if you look at the headlines, you know, the, the last thing we see is in December last year, you secured a $35 million Series C funding, which came in part from the ASX. Um, and, uh, you know, ASX and, and Digital Asset are largely linked together um, throughout the the sort of the, the history and the headlines of the business. Is, is that still very much going ahead? What's happening and, and what's next? Yeah, so so uh, first of all, uh, the the funding was uh, uh, partially by ASX, but also uh, we added uh, Samsung Ventures and, and Salesforce Ventures, which to me is is a big part of the strategy of of the company, which is really focused on some of the big what I would call infrastructure providers in 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 uh, cloud or distributed system land, and. Um, 
so that's specific on the funding round. Specifically with respect to ASX, yes, uh, things are moving ahead. Um, you can imagine a lot of people say that uh, blockchain is slow to adopt. Um, putting a G10 country, uh, you know, critical infrastructure on new technology is something that is not going to happen overnight. Uh, we already had uh, six drops of uh, the system that has been tested by the market. Uh, and the next, the next uh, milestone is moving into production testing with the entire Australian market. So from my perspective, uh, everything is moving ahead as planned. Um, again, to say that it's an easy and trivial project would, would be uh, not fair to say about this project. Yeah, look, the, the, these things are uh, always always interesting challenges uh, when you're trying to change the very structure of uh, the market structure. I was always interested in that sort of balance between working with an incumbent to transform versus um, kind of starting new. And I saw there's uh, you also had a partnership with WeBank to integrate smart contract technology in with the blockchain platform that they've got called uh, Fisco BCOS. Like, tell me, WeBank's an interesting organization, but this is the first domestic platform selected as tech infrastructure for China's national blockchain service network. I mean, what does this mean for you? Um, and, and what actually are you supporting them with? Is, is it a part of the puzzle? Yeah, so I think if, if, if we take a step back and get to your question, if, if, if I reiterate what, you know, our vision is that as a developer, you should have a uniform way of how I develop uh, distributed applications. So our, our strategy, really what we're focused on is uh, the value for the developer is how can I bring a distributed application to my client, to my employer as fast as possible. And really the underlying platform is a technology choice. And you make technology choice because of price, you make technology choices because of relationships, you make technology choices because of performance, features, multiple ways and and really as as a developer or as a customer we want you to have that ability to choose the technology that is right for you at the right time and, and what i mean by that is today i can say oh fabric is the best ledger out there and therefore i want to deploy on that and guess what in in a year maybe someone else shows up and you're like oh wow this is the right ledger for me and what we want to do is we want to allow the customer to say I can develop my distributed application today once, and I will use Fabric today. And a year from now, if there's a new one, I will use that. And, and I think that that, by the way, if, if you were to ask me a question, what have been the issue with blockchain till today, I would have said vendor lock-in. You have, you have to choose your technology in order to your, develop your application because every blockchain today have a different paradigm of development. And, and that's different than a different language. Forget about the fact that you need to use different tools for different blockchains. It's even a different paradigm. The way that privacy and security is solved in one blockchain is completely different than another one. Trust models, different uh, components. And that makes it hard to develop application um, um, that is going to be re working really well. And if I was a CEO of a business, and like you said, you talked about incumbents versus newcomers. If I'm an incumbent and I want to make a big bet and a transformation, I don't want to spend 30 to $40 million today and realize that in a year from now, just because I made a wrong database technology decision, I have to re-gut my entire application space. So that's just from a, from a strategy perspective. And the reason why that is important is 
because the fiscal BCOS, the, the WeBank uh, blockchain, is yet again another 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 uh, milestone, very big milestone in this strategy, right? Uh, as we know, China has has uh, after some of the announcement uh, by their president, have seen a tremendous uh, acceleration in the blockchain space, and um, some of them have seen some of the things that we've been doing around the world with Daml, and they share that vision, creating this uniform this uniform developer experience that really disconnects the developer from, well, how do I do privacy and distributed system? That is not a trivial problem to solve. And, and by the way, at the application layer, if you try to solve that problem, it makes your application extremely complex and extremely uh, hard to maintain. So they share that vision and that's why they they wanted to partner with us uh, to bring Daml. It's interesting. People talked about um, blockchain interoperability and pros and cons of Hyperledger versus Corda versus uh, ETH. And, and to abstract that into developer tools is something that I know uh, a number of folks have been looking at. Um, I know the, the the Truffle Suite, for instance, has now started to move towards Corda. Um, I know what um, uh, Amber Balde is doing at Clover is starting to move into that space so that you can start to abstract and, and pick and choose a little bit more and have a bit more control over that from a software stack standpoint. And, and it is interesting that even China's now um, headed in that direction. Uh, looking then at China, I think that the whole central bank digital currencies have become a really, really hot talking point. Uh, what are your thoughts on governments moving towards central bank digital currencies? Do you think the US and Europe are going to move that way? Um, you know, what, How do you read that whole space? Yeah, so I think that it's amazing. Uh, my only word of advice and caution and and is that if we don't solve interoperability i think that this whole space of blockchain and distributed systems have missed its calling uh, and the reason why i mean uh, i'm saying that is because if 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 i think back to the days of 2014 when we just started when we just started talking about blockchain and all of these things uh it's it's the the, the 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 vision the goal I remember all these all these uh, all these uh, research papers by these big consulting companies was data silos that's the problem that you're trying to solve data silos and if you think about really this blockchain space and and I understand that it's not really an incentive if your value add is this blockchain then you want everybody on your blockchain right you want you want to bring no different than any custom any any company you want to bring the customers to you um, but really all you created is from smaller data silos, call them centralized database, you just created bigger data silos, right? And, and the, the, reason, you know, the, the reason why I think it's very exciting central bank digital currencies is only if you actually break those silos and allow systems, because you could have one central bank uh, digital currency be on Corda, and then another one be on Fabric, and another one be on, let's say, Enterprise Ethereum. Um, if those things don't talk to one another seamlessly, what have you solved? I mean, the way that I think about digitization, generally speaking, the value of digitization is better access to data and better transfer of data. To me, digital assets is just data. It's a representation of an asset, but it's data. And really the goal of what we're trying to do is how do we create better access to data and better flow of data? 
there's, there's something really interesting about digitized financial services versus digital financial services. And that digitized word suggests that you take the paper process and you put some digital on it to make it faster or cheaper. Whereas actually, if I represent the asset itself entirely digitally, however I represent it, whether it's on a, uh, on a MySQL database or whatever, it needs to be able to interoperate with other ledgers and people need to be able to have ways of accessing that and have a tool set to be able to do so. A hundred percent. And that, that to me is, is where my caveat is about my excitement. The fact that central banks, governments are excited about this space is huge. But I definitely also see the risk of missing the opportunity because really at the core of why I get excited about this is that when I think about we've been very active in capital markets, every time someone asks me, and how do you do the payment leg, right? How do you do the cash leg? I say, well, we need to take a fixed message or some kind of message from a payment system, and we use that as evidence uh, in our system. I think that digitizing, like you mentioned, these processes or digitizing these assets allow you to reduce these boundaries. There's no more the cash leg versus the asset leg. No, those are all just digital assets that can interoperate with one another. So there's no these boundaries. Now you're in the asset world versus the payment world. I actually think that, that the future is that there's no more these terms DVP. It's all PVP or DVD. I mean, it's just an asset versus an asset. A digital currency or a digital equity are just digital representations of assets, and they're just seamlessly can be uh, replaced with one another. I actually will take it even one step further into the future. I don't think we're anywhere close to that, is the more and more these assets become digital, if you think about, I, I think about cash today is more glue, right? You need cash to move from one asset to another. If I do risk on, risk off, which is move, you know, move from uh, from uh, fixed income into equity, what do I do? I, as a portfolio manager, I sell massive portfolio of bonds, I get cash, and then I use that cash to move into equity. The more the world becomes digital, no different than how stable coins, what did they create? It's this glue between different cryptocurrencies. Right. So the more the world becomes digitized, you'll have more and more free movement across assets. And in some cases, you won't even need to go through cash or digital cash in between. Exciting stuff. I, I think that kind of uh, truly digital asset is kind of the the place to be rather than the, any digitization always sounds like a process and it sounds like you can go from one to the other, but it's a genuine paradigm shift. I'm interested, though. I mean, we got quite nerdy about financial services there. Uh, we got into PVP versus DVP and DVDs and God knows what else. Uh, let's just um, sort of step back from that. Is financial services broadly the best space for what you do at digital asset and smart contracts? Or are there other opportunities that, that people have, have maybe missed? I mean, if you see IBM every other day is announcing uh, kind of, you know, what, I think there's something recently about um, the pharmaceutical blockchain has been uh, kind of uh, recently signed off by the FDA as being something that they're happy to move beyond pilot into larger scale trials. There's, there's, there's other value here, maybe. Yeah, I, listen, I think I think there's definitely other value. And, and this is why I gave the example of Trillo. I mean, we are actually seeing a lot of other spaces, uh, even just in terms of productivity and bringing uh, products to, to reality. We just we just learned from a massive uh, uh, company in the US that actually just wanted to bring a new product to life that has nothing to do with blockchain. And, and they uh, were able to build the product in, in two weeks. So I, I think that it's not just financial services. 
I think that if you think about generically speaking about organizations that want to have better operational workflows internally, they're using that and that's completely disconnected from financial services. Uh, healthcare, healthcare anywhere where identity matters, I think the distributed applications will play a big role. So insurance, everywhere where you have a multi-party, very complex workflows. I actually think about IoT as very similar. If you think about what IoT is, IoT is a very complex system of identities. Those identities are not people or companies, they're devices, right? There's a very complex workflow of who's allowed to do what under what scenarios. I think whenever I need to have uh, multiple parties and need to manage a workflow and to see that that workflow was carried out to the letter with a nice audit trail, that uh, where I'm not the central operator of it, but there may be many parties and many actors, that I think that Trello example is interesting because I can't see inside the head of the other people in my team, um, but I need to know that they did their task. If they say it's done, how do I know it's done? And, and there's something really nice about what blockchains tend to give you there, but actually the management of that through a Trello board is also very, very useful. So I see the metaphor that you've got there with with Open Sesame. I think it's it, it's quite interesting. Um, what I want to talk a little bit about is, um, you know, we are recording this from our homes. Uh, we are currently uh, all socially distant and and, and following uh, good good social distancing guidelines. The world of financial services is potentially forever changed here. Um, the world of financial services is is not going to look the same. How do you think that um, the the sort of um, pandemic is really shaping uh, the world of uh, the financial services, blockchain, and DLT, and, and that whole space? Absolutely. So, and and that's that's a a great question. I think that um, you know they 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 say uh, think about a crisis where where is the opportunity, uh, and and not necessarily an opportunity for you as a as a as a vendor to to make more money, but for us humanity, society, where is the opportunity for us? And I think that this is an interesting conversation I had with a CEO of one of my clients. Uh, they are in financial services, but um, an observation he had was that usually BCP plans, business continuity uh, plans, um, think about uh, major site goes down, move to, to site two. Site two goes down, go to site three. Burden, building is on fire. Everybody go down to the corner of you know, the street, right? No BCP plan actually had everybody go to work from home, <laughs> right? Uh, nobody. Uh, and and the, the reason why that is interesting is you mentioned earlier in the conversation um, uh, manual processes, right? Uh, manual processes are very hard to do in a distributed manner, right? Uh, I even heard of a major infrastructure provider that actually, um, where they actually move things physically, decided we're going to go into account-based system. We're going to record all the transactions, but for now, we're halting any movement of a physical asset. And, and that is huge. That has never happened. And the reason why that is extremely interesting is because I think that this crisis will put a serious acceleration on where are we as society or as companies are exposed from a risk perspective to these manual processes and will put this acceleration on digitizing them. I love that way of thinking about it in that uh, the manual process is the business risk. It's not the th not solving it gets me slightly more efficient. Not solving it makes reduces my cost. It's 
it actually keeps me in business when a crisis hits. And we don't know if there'll be a second peak. We don't know what the new normal will look like. And you can't just stop doing business uh, in, in these crises. You, you can for a little while, but the impact of that is phenomenal to the wider economy, to, to everybody involved. So um, really, really interesting perspectives there. As, as you look at that then, what, what are the next sort of 12 to 18 months for, for digital asset looking like? What's uh, What are your goals and ambitions? Do you think people will will look for the, for the developer platform for multiple blockchains and, and, and authentication? Do you think that message is landing? Uh, you know, uh, and what are your hopes and dreams for the, for the next 12 months? Yeah, so, so I, I think it's really a continuation uh, on the theme. First of all, it's, it's making these integrations more and more mature, more and more robust. Uh, at the end of the day, this is not an easy thing to solve. It's not an easy thing to just abstract any type of distributed system and allow uh, uh, one paradigm of application development to work consistently across all of them. So that's, that's first of all, just a, an engineering challenge that we, we keep on facing every day. Uh, second of all is, is uh, there are multiple projects this year that you will see going into production. Uh, and to me, that's what I'm very excited about. I think that this space has suffered from uh, PR mania. And, and really what you're seeing is, is a bit of quiet. So I think that a lot of people are saying, is this space dead? I, I think that those that are the leaders have realized that they need to be a bit more quiet and actually deliver. So I think that you are going to see those. But really, from my perspective, where I'm extremely passionate about uh, and excited for digital asset is around interoperability. So it's the release of an interoperability protocol that we've been working on for the last two years uh, is going to be uh, very soon. Uh, and again, what this interoperability protocol allows you to do is when you build a demo application, we don't really care on what ledger you use it. If you if you use uh, the DAML integration, you'll be able to create atomic transactions across different ledgers. And those ledgers could be distributed ledgers, they can be even centralized ledgers. Um, and that's one thing that I'm very excited. And then that Open Sesame project that 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 you uh, mentioned uh, runs on a, on a distributed system as a service uh, offering that we have. It's called Project Dabble, which is really saying, if you want to build a distributed application and you want that to run for you as a service, uh, you just write a demo application. Uh, you uh, just uh, drop the the DAP files and the front end files into a browser, and within less than five minutes, you have a production environment running for you, and you can start having your clients uh, authenticate into the system, and only they can move the state of the ledger forward. So that's that's for example where we've built this open source version of a Kanban board in less than a month. So just, just to give you the sense of, of the productivity lift. Uh, and that's where we're seeing a lot, a lot of uh, interest from our clients. Exciting times. Uh, you've all so much to do, uh, so much to keep doing, uh, and exciting times. Thank you so much for, for joining us on Blockchain Insider. Uh, where can people find out more about you and what you're doing at Digital Asset? Well, first of all, Simon, thank you for taking the time. Uh, you definitely have a good looking house for working from home, uh, or I don't know if you staged it for, for the working from home, but it's it's uh, looking good there. Uh, where you can find the information is really um, the, the, the landing page for our language is daml.com, so D-A-M-L.com. Um, that's where you can find a web ID and start actually coding without downloading anything. Uh, and then uh, Open Sesame is the project, uh, so it's open sas A-M-E. Uh, dot org. That's really where uh, we are 
uh, going to promote a lot of these productivity applications that are open source and you can then deploy them within uh, your environment and own your data. Uh, and then the last one is Project Dabble, uh, so dabl.com. Uh, uh, that's the platform uh, as a service where you can take your demo applications and then just drop them and have a production environment in five minutes. More side projects than Dave Grohl. I, I like it. Um, alrighty, thank you so much, Yuval. As for me, you can find me at SYTaylor on Twitter. Uh, thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, do remember to subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. We love reading those reviews. And pass the podcast along. If you know somebody who loves blockchain and isn't listening to Blockchain Insider, tell them about the show. We've got a back catalog. Go through it. There's been some amazing interviews just like this one. If you have any suggestions or feedback, please reach out on Twitter or email, podcasts at 11fs.com. But for now, goodbye. We didn't have time to cover a story on Medium. Um, it's a whale tactics explainer, which um, I thought was really interesting about some orcas and how they deal with seals. I was, I was thinking that. But no, this is... Uh, <laughs> it's funny because it's actually got a picture uh, of orcas. This is actually... Much- <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, Colin, when you laugh, it sets me off. And then Laura's laughing and now Petra's laughing. Um, whales, of course, being people who have a lot of cryptocurrency, not the uh, sea mammal. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I found that funny. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, Todd McDonald, the co-founder of R3, head of partnerships and head of red t-shirts. Thank you very much. I feel very honored to make it to the big leagues of blockchain podcast today yeah. if this was star trek the original series you'd be dead by the end of the podcast yes yeah, so the the big the big <laughs> the big reveal is i have a glorious quarter t-shirt on which i brought for about half of the people in this room so but then you admitted that the t-shirt was really really warm it is quite warm but i made sure to, to bring an extra medium size for simon so he can show off his guns that's what it's all about uh, and we should mention it's bright red it's bright bright red yes yeah, so I, I wish i brought my sunglasses Want to hear more Blockchain Insider every single Thursday? Well, then the subscribe button is just there. And if you're not already subscribed, why don't you... Oh, sorry, I fucked that up as well. Uh, Want to hear more Blockchain Insider every single Thursday? The subscribe button, it's right there. It's right next to Colin's head. Um, If you just reach around Colin, um, and you might... uh, No, don't give Colin a reach around. That's a good thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) Try that one again, Simon. (laughs) You got the clap now. Oh... I always knew I'd get the clap from you, Simon. <laughs> tweet, 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 tweet. It's the tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. <laughs> <laughs> tweet, 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 tweet. <laughs> <laughs> My God, Petra just made that sound in the room, and it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> So that wraps up the show for now, but we will be back in your podcast feed very, very soon. And just to remind you, this podcast is brought to you by 11FS, and we are a challenger consultancy working to shape the next generation of financial services. Find out more at 11FS.com. Thank you for listening and see you soon.